so the title of the book is When I Grow Up, I Want to Be an Accountant. I started on the book in around 2018. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for this show and a CPA myself. Well, for today's program, we have another accountant turned professor, but then turned author of a children's book about the profession of being an accountant. Adrian Mays, PhD and CPA, is joining us for today's program. Adrian is the department chair for the accounting department at Howard University. And just recently, he published a children's book titled, When I Grow Up, I Want to Be an Accountant. It's a book geared towards teaching children more about the profession of accounting. And I thought it was a wonderful idea because accounting is such a solid career. I mean, you hear that from almost every guest we have on this show. It comes out in in one way or another. And many people make that decision early in life to become an accountant because they had a positive influence in their lives that led them in that direction. So what a better way than to write a children's book about it as well to let people know about how wonderful career and how wonderful profession accounting really is, how it can really set you up for success in life. I really liked the concept and I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Adrian as well. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please leave us a rating in your podcast app, or if you have just a couple extra seconds, write us a review. We always appreciate new ratings and reviews. In fact, I read one of the recent reviews here on a recent podcast. I'm going to do that going forward because I really do appreciate those. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for any accounting organization you may be a part of, please reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Adrian. Here's Adrian Mays. Well, hello, Adrian. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for being here today. Well, for the audience, today we have another guest that was suggested by you, the listeners. One of our listeners reached out to me and suggested that I contact Adrian Mays for this show. Adrian started his career in in a somewhat typical role, but then has went back into academia and attained his PhD as well. Since many of us consider teaching others later in our careers, I thought this would be a good discussion to have again. Also, though, Adrian authored a children's book that we're going to talk about later in the show, and that really intrigued me as well. You don't see that too often, at least not in the accounting profession. Well, Adrian, before we get to the present time, let's make sure we cover your overall career journey. What led you to think about accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? So my first thought of accounting was in my undergraduate program at the University of Mississippi. I was a finance major and I was on target to finish in three years. And I was looking at other opportunities to get employment. And I knew that I hadn't been the best student (laughs) at the time. (laughs) And so I was considering an additional year, maybe two. And so I started thinking about accounting at that point, but really then know about the profession, learned about the topic a little bit in high school, but I decided to go ahead and graduate in three years. And as I was looking for employment, 
I was thinking that I need to do something that provided some opportunities and I went back to accounting. And so I decided to get my master's in accounting instead. And from there, I went to Jackson State University and that's where I fell in love with accounting and the profession. And it was the first time that I was able to see people that looked like me in the accounting profession. There you go. Okay. It's the classic, I knew I could get a job. <laughs> we need to do some advertising for the profession. There's jobs in accounting. Just just come on over. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are uh, you know, tons of opportunities. There's you know, diversity as far as what you can do with, a account, with an accounting degree. So, yeah, I think it's a great selling point. Mm. So what was your first position, I guess, out of college or in college, however it happened? But what was your first real accounting position? So my first practical experience was working with the State Tax Commission in Mississippi, which is now the, the Mississippi Department of Revenue. And I was a state tax auditor. And what that means is that I went in and audited companies that had business or did business in Mississippi. And so that was looking at their compliance with the sales tax laws, the state income taxes, is that you know, different taxes such as use and excise, you know, the different taxes that businesses have to remit to the state of Mississippi. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, you know, I've known some people that have went to work for the state myself and that kind of role, but generally they've been later in their careers. I don't know if that was just out of my group of friends or not. Was it typical back then for the state to hire entry-level people? Because that's a great opportunity. Was that typical back then? It was very typical. Okay. The state tax commission recruited at Jackson State University. So that's how I knew about the opportunity to be a, a state tax auditor um, and end up actually seeing people that I was in school with that had also started either, you know, a year or a few months before and some people even after. Yeah, it was a very entry-level position. I remember one of the people that I started with was someone that had just completed their degree from Mississippi State University. So, yeah, it was a lot of opportunities for students right out of college. Okay. Okay. I guess they just didn't, they didn't recruit at my school. (laughs) 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 Maybe that's why I didn't know that. (laughs) Too funny. Well, what did you enjoy about that role? And I guess what were some of the more challenging aspects? I really enjoyed the skill set that I use today that I learned during the process about analyzing information and being able to identify trends and what information is relevant, what information is not. So I didn't realize, I I knew that I had a skill set of that, but being able to do that job and to see what the true experience was and things I learned and how I developed in that position. I use those things still to this day, if that's through my department's accreditation or assessment of our curriculum, I use those same skills that I believe I innately had, but also was able to develop in my actual work experience. Okay. Okay. We've had several auditors on the show in our 200 plus (laughs) episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, a lot in public accounting also, but some people really take to the role of auditor and then then other people 
don't like being the external auditor coming in and <laughs> that, that can be. I'm curious, how did you find the role of being an auditor? Did that cause you any nerves going in to check on what somebody was doing or did you enjoy the sort of the thrill of the hunt? How, how did you feel about it? So it was a combination of those things. So I knew that going in that I was looked at that business as the bad guy, but I also knew that my approach was that I'm I'm just trying to make sure that you're in compliance. So if you have, you know, your information recorded and you have everything in order and the order that I say it should be in the order that I can follow just to make sure that you're in compliance with the state laws. Like, I'm not the bad guy. I'm just pretty much saying that, hey, you're doing a great job or, hey, you could do this as well to make sure that the next time this happens or if it doesn't happen as far as the audit, that it will be a better process or the conversation is that where you were not in compliance and these are the things that you need to do. And unfortunately, this is, you know, the assessment that you have to um, pay because of the error or you not knowing or hopefully not fraud. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're just there doing a job and if they're doing things right, well, then this is just affirmation that they're doing things right and they should take comfort in that. And, and if they're not, well, then they probably want to know or should want to know. And if they don't want to know, well, well, then there is a problem. <laughs> exactly. And then that's the communication as well. Like, you know, you want to know that you're doing this correctly because you don't want something to happen that you have this audit and then you, you didn't know, but you know, if it's early on in your business when it happens, like you want to know now so you can make the correction. So going forward, like what the best practices are, you know, how to do what is expected and comply versus you finding out 20 years in the business, like that could be very upsetting, especially if you're paying someone to make sure that you are in compliance and you're, that's not the case. So it's kind of like a checkpoint for all different areas of the process. That's true. That's true. So I don't know if I was reading this correctly online or not, but it looks like you were only in, I guess, only in that role for a few years, and then you jumped back into academia. <laughs> became an instructor really quickly, fairly early on. Is, is that correct? And, and I guess, how did that transition happen? Yeah, that's correct. So I was a state auditor for, or state tax auditor for, three years. My plan was to not be there that long. I learned about the profession of academia in accounting of when I was in my master's program at Jackson State University. And one of my professors started telling me about, well, I was doing graduate research assistant for her. And uh, she started telling me about like the opportunities as being an accounting professor and the process and start telling me, providing resources. So I started learning about that profession a little more. And so her recommendation to me was that go work for a year, pass your CPA exam, apply for a PhD program, and start your career as an accounting professor. At the time, I was enjoying my life working, and so I waited three years, but pretty much followed that same process. So I should stay longer than was the plan, but yeah, the goal was to get into academia. Okay. I love that. Just go work for a year. Just get your CPA real quick and then get in the PhD program. You know, it's that simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think at that time, Mississippi required like only one year of experience to get your certification. So, you know, you passed the exam, but you had 
work experience requirements, okay. and I think one year was the requirement. So that's why she was like, work for one year, you know, sit for the CPA exam, pass all parts, and then you, you'll be certified, and then you can apply to a, a PhD program. Okay. Okay. I love how the the passing of the exam was just assumed. That yeah, you'll get that done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love that. So I do, and I don't know if this is the right point. If it comes later, we can talk about it later. I I am curious about the process of getting into a PhD program because a lot of people eventually would like to teach at the college level, or I run into a lot of individuals that they think about that, maybe they become an adjunct or something. But to many people, getting a PhD is a little overwhelming, the thought of that. Can you talk to us a little bit about, I guess, what's involved in finding a program and getting accepted and then making it through <laughs> successfully? Yes. So there's several PhD programs in business across the United States, across the world. But the advice that I receive is that, one, you need to know what institution that you want to teach because they normally align where what institution that you uh, get your PhD from. So, again, it's not always the case, but it, it kind of aligns with this because there's different type of institutions. Some are research-focused, some are teaching focus on our like a research teaching balance. And so there was a research teaching balance and it was one of two HBCUs at the time that had PhD programs. And so I already had a report. So I knew I wanted to go back to the institution where I got my master's. And so that was kind of the plan in my head. So that's the only school I applied to. We hope that I would get in. And so luckily I did, but every program is different. So for example, some programs require you to have your CPA exam, CPA uh, pass and be certified. Some do not. So that's one requirement. Some may require work experience. Some may not. Some may require a certain GMAT score. So that's the, the business assessment, like similar to the ACT. And so okay. some require a certain score for that. So every program varies, but I think the one takeaway I did have from my professors that if you know in general what school that you want to end up teaching, if there's a teaching research school, then you want you may want to focus on going to a research teaching school for your PhD. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Are there a limited number of spots or was that your experience at the time? You mentioned getting accepted. So No, yeah, there was a limited spot. So before my cohort of students Jackson State University was only accepting two students every other year. Oh. And so my class was the first class that they accepted five. And so I think we're still to this day the largest class that started for for PhDs in accounting. But before that, it was so I started in 2010. The class before that, of course, started in 2008. It was only two of them. 2006 was only two of them. So it was, um, and I think even from the start of the program in 1994, it's been, it was two years, pretty much two students every other year. And so, yeah, so I was thinking like, this is not certain, but, you know, I may not get in because I knew that they were only accepting, based on history, two students every other year. Okay. I'm curious, what, what did you, if anything, I guess, what did you find challenging about getting your PhD? Or what, is it similar to getting the master's? The challenging part was that, again, most, why well, they say this, but most programs are full-time programs. So you have to quit your job, 
I did have to, at the time I had moved to Memphis, Tennessee, to, I did have to move back to Jackson State University. So one had to give up my salary from the state tax commission and I had to move back to Jackson, Mississippi. And so those are the two things that you do have to have an understanding of once you apply and you know that, that you're going to lose income if you're working and you're going to have to potentially move if you don't get accepted to a PhD program where you currently live. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for taking that detour with me. I I was curious about getting the PhD. And for some reason, in the back of my mind, I knew that the acceptances were somewhat limited, you know, and, and finding the right program was important. I knew it wasn't as easy as just signing up. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's not <laughs> So walk us through your progression, I guess, as an instructor or professor. I mean, I know you're department chair now, but obviously you didn't start there, you know. So from when you left the state and went into academia, what was your career progression like from there on? So once I started my PhD program in 2010, I immediately applied to be a graduate research assistant again with the same same professor. <laughs> I worked for her for two years as a graduate research assistant. The third year of my PhD program, I was fortunate enough to had the opportunity to apply for a part-time instructor at the university. So I was hired to be a part-time instructor. So I had, you know, I was trying to make more money <laughs> at the time, <laughs> but also, you know, defending my proposals, conducting my research. And then the fourth year, I decided to leave and I took a full-time position at Middle Tennessee State University as an a, assistant professor. And so at that time, I had not finished. I had a year. I was hoping I had a year to finish and also juggling moving to another state. I moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and also driving back and forth to meet with my dissertation chair to make sure I was on track to finish within that year because in my contract with that university, I had to have my degree in hand after that first year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. And so from there, I mean, I did, of course, get um, finished with my PhD in 2014, and I continued with the institution for another year. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. and started working at Howard University and had been there for the last six years. Okay. And I guess that's the accounting department chair. Is that correct? yes, yes, um, yes. Currently, I'm the accounting department chair. I've been the department chair for the last two years. Okay, okay. I guess <laughs> there again, I'm very ignorant about the academia side. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming department chair is sort of like managing partner in the accounting firm. You have some administrative responsibilities and and I guess staff management. Is that how that works, or what is being the department chair involved? Yeah, so that's correct. So I manage the faculty as far as assigning courses, making evaluating faculty on their research, teaching, and service. Those are the general requirements for all tenure tenure track faculty members, and part of the hiring process of part time instructors, full time instructors, professors. Yeah, so it's pretty much all the administrative things that you can think of. I schedule classes, and I'm also still responsible as a faculty member to do research, teaching, and service. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, 
this is an appropriate time to get to the book then, because one of the questions that popped in my mind is, when did you have the time to write and publish a book? <laughs> You're doing all this as well. Um, tell us about your book, because it did intrigue me. I mean, what, what's it about? I guess, how did it come about really is more what I'm interested in. Yeah, so the title of the book is When I Grow Up, I Want to Be an Accountant. I started on the book in around 2018, pretty much when I was going, I had decided to go up for a promotion and tenure at Howard University. And I started thinking about the idea of writing the book at that point because I wanted to make an impact in, in a different way. And so I was thinking of ways to do that. And I was thinking of like things that I wish I would have seen just learning about the profession and at an earlier age. And so then I started being a department chair. So that slowed things down. And then, of course, the pandemic happened and I needed a distraction to be <laughs> very transparent. And so okay. I needed something to something else to do versus at my computer doing work, feeling like I'm like always accessible. I was just had to start carving out time. Like this is for my family. This is for me. Like this is for other projects I want, you know, had, you know, that I want to work on. And so I just carved out that time and finished, was focused and finished the book. And it's a children's book, very heavily picture-based, but the purpose behind the book was to want to introduce uh, children at a younger age about the account profession, but more so to have representation and students and children to see themselves throughout the book. So if you get a chance to see the book or if you see the book, it's very vibrant and colorful. It has I try to be as inclusive as possible as far as the diversity within the book and mm-hmm. it's an introduction for them to learn about accounting. Okay. I think it's wonderful. I haven't totaled this up in over a year, but the podcast, we've been doing this four and a half years now. And at one point, I was curious about the point at which people decide to become an accountant and tallying it all up amongst our guests, which that's not a representative sample necessarily, but you know, there were a bunch, there were 150 at that point. I found that about a third decided in college years, about a third decided in high school years, and then about a third, it was some kind of family influence, in which was early in life. And yeah, I think items like your book can just do a lot to show what a good profession it can be early in you know children's lives instead of just police officers and, and firemen and nurses and you know all this <laughs> all this stuff that right. kids see you know on TV. We don't have any shows about accountants, you know, so <laughs> we need better representation out there. Did you self-publish or what was that process like? Because you said it's heavy on pictures. Are, are you an artist as well or did you did you get that done? How did that work? Yes, I did self-publish. I am not the illustrator. The illustrator is a family friend. Her name is Rashonda Perryman. She had, she's authored, not authored, excuse me, she's illustrated several of the children's books, but I just from what I saw from her previous work, I just knew she had to be on the project. So she was always considered for me the illustrator. But once she started providing me the illustrations that she sent, I was like, oh, wow, like this is going to be like the vision is coming into play. And it's more than I could have asked for. She did a great job. Mm -hmm. That is good. When did you actually 
publish the book or when, when did you release the book really is what I'm looking for. Cause I didn't realize it was that recent when the listener suggested you to me, but you, you mentioned you finished it during the pandemic and yeah. The, so that's an interesting story as well. I, we were getting to a point that I was like, well, we're almost finished. Like I want to, can I like publish it during black history month because we're like mm-hmm. essentially done. And I had went through the self publishing process before uh, with my fiance. And so I was like, I know we can do this. Like we've done before, but like, is it going to, you know, get out in time? And so I submitted it through the process. It was through Amazon self publishing. And I went through that process and it wasn't right. I got a proof of it. it things weren't, weren't lining up like they're supposed to. And I was like, well, I don't know what's happening. And so I had a conversation with the illustrator and we worked some things out. And the book came on February the 1st and it was right. And I Ooh. hit launched the book <laughs> at, in the computer and it said it may take up, I think it said 72 hours. And I was like, no. Luckily, it didn't take that long, and I let me take it back. It was on January thirty first, and I woke up the morning of February the first, and it was like your book is published. And I was like, oh wow! Like, and so I woke up like it was like three o'clock in the morning, three a.m., and I just started <laughs> like sending social media information out and sending it to people in my phone because I was so excited that it had got approved and it was already launched. Mm. That's, that's, that's amazing. As you know, we scheduled this on relatively short notice, and I really appreciate that because, you know, the semester is coming to an end for you. And, of course, you have the post-semester vacation coming up, and I had a publishing deadline myself, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you working with me. Consequently, though, I haven't actually read the book. I've only seen the cover. I've seen what, mm-hmm. you know, is on Amazon there. It, I think it would be a tremendous tool to get out there to help promote the profession. I'm curious, have you had any, because there's so much conversation about supply and demand and demographics, you know, in in our Mm -hmm. profession. Have you had any discussions with state CPA societies or AICPA (laughs) somehow to get the word out more about your book? Yes, I've conversations with a few of the uh, different accounting firms, a few of the state societies, and I've been very humble and appreciative of the support, the engagement that I've had with them, even from, you know, I've had book reviews and interviews and podcasts and even large purchases of the book. So I've been very fortunate. I wanted, the book did way more than I thought it would do. And so I'm just very grateful for that. The impact that it's having is actually beyond what I could ever imagine. So I'm just very, very appreciative of the support that I have received and, and and continue to receive. Like I received some communication today and I was like, wow, like the book is still, I th- always thought it was relevant and important, but just seeing other people, you know, people hear about it at different times from different people, just like, you know, we're talking now. So it's uh, just continuing, just on the continual path to be exciting and just to have these conversations, it's just reassuring. Wonderful. Yeah. I just thought it was an, an amazing idea when I saw the book, and, and that's why I reached out to you, because we've had several authors on the show, and one in particular, actually, that wrote a children's book, but it wasn't about the profession. It was a great book, just you know, not on the mm-hmm. profession. So to marry the two together, I thought that was, yeah, just really a, a genius idea. 
I'm sorry. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know we talked a lot about the book, but I, yeah, I was really, really curious about that. I do have three questions that I end every show with, and we probably should get to those at this point because I want to make sure I'm, I honor your time as well. The first one's usually the easier one, and I don't know, this may be an obvious answer, but from a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? If you had asked me this before this year, I'm not sure what my answer would have been, but it's definitely the children's book. Just even reading to the students virtually that I've been able to read to and people sending me pictures of their children reading the book. Uh, again, I just, I don't know why I wrote a children's book. I, I should have expected that, but I didn't expect some emotion and the, um, how I would feel about it. So I just, again, very humble and very grateful of the feedback and the support. And so yeah, that's been my proudest moment of is writing the children's book. Okay. Are you, so I have a one-year-old, so I'm mm-hmm. curious, are you doing like story time? Is that what you're referring to, reading to, to reading kids yeah. virtually? Yeah, so I did a reading to a elementary school, and I've done a reading to, with a, a firm that had a Take Your Child to Work Day, and it was a virtual reading. They could see the book on the screen, uh, on their computer screen. Uh, I think one was even in their classroom. They had a computer screen, but they were meeting in person. But I was virtually placed. And so, yeah, I've, I've done a couple reading of the book to um, different set of the children. <laughs> to kids. Okay. I'm curious. Do you know if there even is another children's book about accountants out there? <laughs> So that is very interesting that you asked that. So I knew there was one. I read a book. Well, during my search, I didn't see anything before 2019. In 2019, I read a, I was still in my process. I was like, I'm going to release this book. And I saw a book and it was called A Little Accounting. It had a person of color, a child of color on the book. And I ordered it, and I actually went and read it to a school that I normally go to and do some volunteer work. And that was the first time that I saw a book. When I published my book, children's book, I didn't see anything either because I did my research. I was just like curious, like, were there any of the books out there? Make sure I wasn't duplicating anything. And after that point, Every time I think my Amazon just showed that like there's other children's books that focus on like financial literacy or accounting. And mm-hmm. I've been buying books. I think I feel like every two weeks. <laughs> and so I have this collection that I'm creating a library of accounting books. So yes, they are out there. I don't know why they were so hard to find, but I'm making, I'm trying to collect them so I can like even like post a library and give, you know, send them, you know, advertisement and so people can know that they it's not just me it's other children's books that focus on financial literacy and accounting as well okay well that yeah that is a good thing to spread the word about well second question (laughs) Mm -hmm. went off on tangent again but Mm -hmm. second question tell us about a lesson that you've learned the hard way and the more you can tell us about the situation the better of course you know it could be about the book of course but just about your career overall something you've learned the hard way and the more you tell us the better because that's how we learn as well i wouldn't say it's the hard way but it's not the way that i guess most people would 
discuss the issue. So I would say the lesson I've learned is to continue to be you. And that what I mean by that is being yourself in all spaces to be as authentic as possible. People are going to value, value you for your uniqueness and what you bring. And there's no one way to get to any particular goal. And so someone could have told me that you never write a children's book because you didn't go to school for, you know, writing or you didn't go to school to be an author. But, you know, here I am. Even the case of being a department chair, someone could say, well, you know, you need to do A, B, C, and D. You need to you know, get a, another promotion to a full professor before you decide to go to administration. But everybody's path is different. So just being true to what you feel that you need to do in your life I think it's very important, and when opportunities arise, to don't don't shy away from those things. Take advantage of those opportunities because you never know where that's going to lead you. And so that would be the lessons I've learned. I won't say the hard way, but the, normally the path that's not normally taken. Okay, now that is good advice. So often we try to you know act like we're something else, or the way yeah. people. We think people want us to act or think we should act. And yeah, that's just, yeah. That leads to a lot of unhappiness, for sure. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice is to focus on yourself, to ignore the noise, ignore ignore what people are saying, because what people have to say about you has nothing to do with you. It's all about them. And so focus on what your tasks are, what you have been put on this earth to do. Again, again, everything else that's happening around you is just noise. And it's, again, what people's perception of you has nothing to do with you is a reflection or something that has to do with them. So just stay to your, true to yourself. Listen to what you know your gut tells you in your heart that you have been put here to do. And if you don't know what that is, Sit with yourself a little, you know, longer. You'll figure out if uh, you know how to maneuver and move through life. So just trust your instinct. Mm-hmm. That is great advice. That is great advice. Well, I, I know it's a busy time for you, and I really do appreciate you taking time out for this. I I wanted to you know, obviously tell the story of your book because I mean, um, on behalf of the accountants out there looking to hire more accountants. <laughs> To the profession, you're doing all of us a service, you know, because hopefully this will affect the supply long term. And you're helping, you know, kids get into a wonderful career, you know, that can lead them to have a great lifestyle, which is a wonderful thing. Really good job, and I really enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Well, that was my interview with Adrian Mays, CPA, professor, department chair, and author of When I Grow Up, I Want to Be an Accountant. There were a couple things I really appreciated about this interview. And and actually, the first one you may not be expecting, but I really appreciated the discussion of what it takes to get your PhD in accounting, because I've had related conversations with other people in the past, and there was just a lot of of murkiness in my mind about that process and how exclusive it is or how limited it can be in terms of getting into a program and what it takes to get in a program and through a program and that kind of thing. And I know that's very important. So it was beneficial to me. Hopefully it was beneficial to some of our listeners, some of you as well, if that is a road you're thinking about going down for your own career. And then secondly, of course, I 
Gosh, I really enjoyed the discussion about the book. Adrian said he's come across other books, you know, that are somewhat similar, but I had never come across anything like that. And the idea, it's amazing. And frankly, it seems like it should be obvious to write a book like that. Accounting is a tremendous profession. It, it gives people such a stable career, such a, a dependable career. You can do almost anything with a background in accounting. And we need to publicize that more with young folks, so to speak, you know, high school, pre-high school, even all the way down to elementary school. And obviously, this is where that book is touching, you know, down in the very young, young ages. There's just not a lot of TV shows about exciting accounting careers like there are about other things. And frankly, many people choose it because of the stability and just what a secure future it can give you. So I really appreciate that Adrian took the time for this interview. I appreciate the effort that he put into the book because it is going to make a difference in people's lives. Thank you very much, Adrian. Well, that wraps it up for this week. If there is anything I can do for you in your own career, any conversation you need to have about your career, please reach out to me. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. It's Mark Goldman CPA. Search for that and I'll pop right up. That wraps up another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I really appreciate you joining us each week. We will see you next time. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.